When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 32 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined every week by our Giants beat reporters, Jordan Renan, James Cratch. They're here with me to talk Giants football with you off of what was another Patriots-Giants classic. So we'll break down that game and kind of look forward as this team now hits the bye. Week 11, they will be off. Uh, The next time we'll see the Giants in the field will be in Washington after Thanksgiving. So, Jordan, we'll start with you here. Um, We're doing this podcast. How are you doing, Jordan? Podcast recording here on a Tuesday morning. So a couple days after we watched uh, what was really one of the games of the year, Giants, Patriots, and uh, kind of give me your thoughts a couple days after that game. Um, with the way it played out and, and, and really just the Giants competing with an undefeated Patriot team? Yeah, what we found out is the Giants really are a competitor now, whether it's for the, the Super Bowl. I mean, that seems maybe a bit of a stretch at this point. They are 5-5. Five and five. They're a 500 team. But they're a real contender. I mean, they're a team that you can't look at that's going to go in there against any team, and you could say they're definitely going to lose. I mean, this is a team that, that has played every single – we talked about this just before we started here. They played every single one of their games close, except for that one Eagle game. So nine out of ten games has been close to game. They're going to hang around. They're going to be pesky. And they're going to do enough uh, offensive, defensively, and special teams. Maybe not great in any of the three categories by any stretch of the imagination. But they're going to do enough and make enough plays. Where they're going to be able to give anyone a hard time and put themselves in positions where if they can make enough plays on the stretch, which they haven't in most of the, a lot of these key games, but they can win them. So uh, you also look at the missed opportunities, the Landon Collins interception. Probably more than anything sticks out to me. I know a lot's been made of the, the goal line at the end of the game and the, and the running out the clock. I mean, I have my opinion on that. I think they definitely should have run the ball on first down, forced the Patriots into some kind of decision with, to do with that time map, and then you could kind of move from there. That, it's not necessarily conceding that you can't be aggressive, but to run the ball, to throw the ball on first down and then have it stop at 201, that was the absolute worst case scenario. Joe, we said that. You said that exactly at the time. Second it happened. I said they should have run the ball even before that first down play. And you said, hey, they got it. stopping at 201. That is the absolute worst case scenario. And it was because the Patriots had just enough time to come down the field and score. So it leaves you with a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. But as we get a, a little further away from the game, you realize there's some positive. There's a lot of positives to take, and that, that's a good thing. There are. And, and, James, how about for you? When you walked away from that game, I mean, even with the clock management at the end and we all sat there in the press box just kind of shaking our head at the way, like Jordan described, it played out. They lose the game, but 
Do you walk away more positive off of a one-point loss to the Patriots or you know, more negative? Because with the way the NFC's played out on Sunday, with the Eagles losing again, it you know, could have been a, an opportunity there for the Giants to really finally put some distance between themselves and the Eagles, but they couldn't do that you know, as far as against the Patriots. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from the game was, if you think about it, the Giants got everything they probably wanted on Sunday. Um, they got the ball off of Brady twice. You know, one interception, one fumble, I think. And, you know, they also had, you know, the Collins pick and then the fumble that the Patriots recovered. They could have had four takeaways. I mean, I don't think anyone thought they were going to have any takeaways going into the game. Um, the offense played well. The special teams, you know, Josh Brown was good. And the punt team was a disaster. But I agree with you. I think that that's going to be the theme for these next six games once we get back from the bye week is can the Giants win the NFC? So when I say win, I mean, Finally, take it seems like every other week the Giants lose, but yet they stay in first place because the Cowboys and the Eagles also stumble. And at some point, they're going to have to finally take advantage of, of Philly and not so much Dallas anymore, but maybe Washington stumbling. You know, at some point, they're going to have to make a move and win a game and pull away a little bit because as of now, it's almost like they're just week in and week out, they're just getting handed first place. Division stinks. I know the division stinks, but at some point, if the Giants want to say they're the best team in the division, they need to act like it. They do, and they're going to have to seize it, and they'll get a chance. And we'll get into the game after the bye um, against the Redskins a little later on and kind of take a look at this NFC. But, Jordan, let's, let's go into the clock management because that's what a lot of people are talking about off the Patriot game. And if it was just a one-time thing as far as the first 10 games of the year, I don't know if we'd spend a lot of time on it because we'd probably look, look more at the positives. But this has been a theme for the Giants this year, the way they handle the clock late in games. And – it keeps rearing its head because, you know, four of their five losses are by a total of nine points. I mean, these games are all going down right to the end when they're losing. So you said, and, and you said it then, so it's not like a second guess. You said it right there in the press box. They should have run the football. Um, just kind of take me through what you think they did wrong there in terms of right in front of the two-minute warning. Yeah, just that first down play. You got to run the ball. And to make New England make a decision, they want to use that timeout, which Belichick was using those timeouts. They had one timeout left. You kind of want to take that time, one timeout out of their hands. Exhaust that. Then everything is at your disposal. Then you're in control, and you can say, okay, then we can run or pass. And if the pass isn't there right away, you like to just go down, just like you did on third down. You at least knock that clock off, you know, 35, 40 seconds by the time the, the ball gets spotted and set. Uh, so – you run the ball on first down, then you see what they, the Patriots do. Either they use that timeout at 201, or they let it go to the two-minute warning. If it goes to the two-minute warning, you get back up there at the line again. You, you can survey the situation. If you really see an advantage, you can pass the ball. If not, you can run it. I mean, you know, there, it, you just got to see. You got to take that. You got to try and see what the Patriots are going to do and how you can exhaust that final timeout. And then move forward because let's be honest, if the Patriots got the ball back, if the Giants scored, Odell Beckham holds on to the ball, there's 201 left. How many of you really have confidence, would have had confidence at that point with 201 left and the timeout that Tom Brady wasn't going to go down the field, even with, even though the Giants, you know, were up either five or seven, they would have gone for the two point conversion, right? They were down one point at the time. Is that, that am right, I, right, I have that yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. 
So they would have been up five with the touchdown and then gone for two. So, I mean, there would have been another big play, the two-point conversion. We have no idea how that would have come out. But up five points, up seven points, Brady with two or one left in a timeout, I think you would have still felt pretty confident there that the Patriots were going to go down the field and score, you know, and score whatever they needed to do uh, to either win or tie. So for me, the play was to run the ball on first down, see what the Patriots do, and then sort of move from there. I agree. I think we all kind of thought that at the moment. And it would have been different, James, had Odell Beckham made the catch that we all were kind of like, was that a catch? Was it? You know, I think the conversation would have been different um, yes. than it is now just because they would have scored and we probably wouldn't have talked too much about clock management, but they didn't. And then they ultimately have to kick the field goal anyway and just gave Tom Brady so much time and those timeouts there uh, to move down the field. So off of that, guys, I mean, the, the conversation about them finishing has been – it's been all year long. And is this kind of who they are, James, that they're just going to have these problems all year long? Or do you think finishing is something that they may be able to get better at as the year goes on? I mean, there are six games left, six big ones. We'll get – we'll kind of go down the schedule as this podcast goes along. But as far as finishing, do we think they could change the way they are late in games and maybe finish better? Uh, I mean, I think we, we actually probably had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, probably at the New Orleans game. I, look, I, I just think that the NFL, I mean, they, as Jordan said, they, with the exception of the Eagles game, they played every game close. I think in today's NFL, you know, if you're going to play a close game, 50%, 50 of the time, you're probably going to come on the wrong side of it. Uh, but I think they could finish better. I mean, I, look, if Odell Beckham catches the touchdown pass and they get the two-point conversion, they're up seven. Um, if they run a little, and I, and I don't think that you really can talk about well, if they run a couple more seconds off the clock, then Guskowski never gets in position to kick a field goal because you know the Patriots, their play calling, their drive, their strategy is totally predicated on the situation they have. So if they had 57 seconds and one timeout in the ball, um, you know they would have called plays differently, and who knows if they still would have gotten in position. Um, but to answer your question. I think this is who the Giants are, you know. They they talk about finishing a lot pretty much every other week it seems. And uh until they actually do it, this is who they are. Look, how can you be good at finishing when you you they basically said it they don't think that they can run the ball. They don't think they can power run the ball. They the, the they said the Patriots had an eight man box. Well, you you know what? That's what happens in the red zone. Teams put eight men in the box and you have to bring your goal line offense in. And you bring in, you know, seven blockers and you go and you, you pound the ball for a couple of yards, two, three, four yards when you need to get it. But they're, they're, they basically conceded to the fact that they're not even going to try that. They've conceded that that's out of the question. That's not even something that they're going to go and try and do. So it's hard to kill off the end of games when you're not even willing to try and do that. It is. It's funny. It reminded me uh, a little bit of the Super Bowl last year, because why did the Seahawks say they passed on that play that decided the game? Well, because the Patriots brought in their big package on the goal line. They didn't want to run against it. It just the Patriots dictated what the Giants did there. And ultimately, you know, it worked out for New England. And uh, that's a good point, Jordan. I mean, they don't run the football well. I mean, was it eight out of 10 games now so far? They haven't been, what, over 80 yards? I mean, it feels like every game, they try. I mean, they, they make a little bit of an effort early in the game to get a run game going, but it just it almost never seems to, to happen. They just don't run the football. They're not well. committed, though. I mean, they're not committed to it. No, they're fully. not. They, they, you know, it, it disappears. They're just not fully committed to it. Do, do you think they should run it more as the game goes on? Because it feels like early in games they try it, and then it doesn't work, and they just give the ball to Eli. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I understand that's their best way to score points, but you know, there's also the flip side of at times, you know, you're running the ball well, stick with it a little bit more and and, and see what you can do and, and get some of these guys into a rhythm. But instead, they're just rotating guys in and out. There's no rhythm to it. You never know when they're going to run it. They, they get away from it. You know, they come out, they start the second half. They always, you know, run the ball a couple of times to start the second half. And then, you, whoop, yeah. there it goes. It's, it's gone. And well, that's I think, your run for the half. I think another issue is they, and I know a lot of people said, you know, why they, they they have these points in the game where they try to go really fast, no huddle. And I've noticed, like, all right, it's third down. You bring Shane Vereen in, of course. You, know, you convert it. Now it's first down. They want to go no huddle, so they're going to ha- they're going to stay on the field with Shane Vereen. And, you know, Shane Vereen is just a guy who it doesn't seem like they're really comfortable handing the ball on first down. So now you're not running the ball on first down. And now, all right, so now it's second and ten. What are you going to do? You're going to pass. So I think it's, you know – Sometimes I don't, you know, really understand why. Like they'll hit a big play and they'll be so insistent on rushing right to the line and getting the first down snap off. Um, it just seems to me that you know sometimes they could maybe you know take a little time and you know, but they, they want to go fast and I think that also is hurting the run game. That's a good point. I mean, the, the, the pace might be, you know, not helping the way they run the football as well. And, um, you know, the run game is probably going to be an issue all year. We know Eli's had a good season, and uh, we did have some news this week. We're doing this podcast on a Tuesday after the New England game. And uh, so Monday, right after the Giants lose to the Patriots, uh, Victor Cruz announces it himself uh, on Bleacher Report. They're you know, one of the videos they put up there uninterrupted. Uh, Victor Cruz announces he is going to undergo calf surgery. So, all that hope, all those questions are out the window. And then Tuesday morning, uh, right before we record this episode of Talk is Cheap, the Giants bring back an old friend in Hakeem Nix. Jordan, your take on uh, the way the news broke with these wide receivers. I mean, I guess the Cruz thing isn't too much of a shock because it felt like every single time he was getting closer, we thought he was, there was just another setback. Uh, you know, the thing with Nix, I mean, Cruz is you thought he was going to come back because they kept him on the active roster for 10 weeks. So when you keep a guy on the active roster for 10 weeks, you certainly think he's going to come back. And I kept thinking he's coming back, thinking he's coming back. It just never materialized. So I think it actually was sort of surprising. He went out there Saturday, had another, it didn't feel good again. And uh, sort of, you know, the decision was made, oh, we got to do something here. And then it was mean surgery is coming. And, uh, you know, Cruz delivered that news himself. Uh, so, you know, now the Giants are moving forward and you got to wonder what his future is with the Giants. It's certainly not coming back with a nine, nine point something million salary, uh, salary cap number next year for a guy who hasn't played in two years. I mean, that's unrealistic. So, uh, the reality is his future with the Giants is seriously in doubt. And when you come and talk about Hakeem Nix right now, you wonder, well, what does he have left? I mean, I know his age, whatever his age is, but this is a guy who, what, played with Andrew Luck last year. Couldn't even start on that team uh, and caught, what, 30-something passes? Was cut by the Titans? Has been on the tryout uh, tour all all year? Nobody wanted him? How, what can what can Akeem Nix give you? I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I'm not either. I, I think in name, Giants fans will probably be excited because we remember what he did in a Giant uniform. But, James, it's, it's kind of ironic because if, I think if we had a conversation, you know, four years ago, the year Victor Cruz burst on the scene – Hakeem Nix was the Giants' number one wide receiver then. I, I think if we had this podcast then, I would have probably said, you know, Nix is the guy they're going to build this wide receiving core around. And, you know, we'll see about this Victor Cruz guy. And 
I, I just find it's, it's kind of ironic that Nix is now, not that he's coming back to replace Victor Cruz, but just the way the transactions played out, he's back as Cruz is out, for, you know, officially. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think with Victor, you know, it's an unfortunate thing. Um, you know, it, it, I, I don't know if I want to say a surprise, but, you know, we, they were practicing, you know, the Porsche practice open to the media, I think, on uh, either Wednesday or Thursday, you know, in the indoor facility. He was sprinting, like, straight ahead, mind you, but he looked to be like he was sprinting 100% full speed. Um, and, you know, there just seemed to be optimism that, you know, he was finally going to come back and that and we were finally pushing toward, you know, like, week 12 in Washington. But it just sounds like he was running routes, not even running routes at full speed. And the calf caught again. So, you know, as Jordan said, when when the guy is on the active roster for almost three months, you expect that he's coming back, but it just never worked out. And then for Knicks, I mean, I don't. I think it's kind of a low, you know, low pressure situation. You know, I mean, it's just see what you can get. I mean, the Giants have basically played with four or five wide receivers on the roster all year long. Now they're adding Knicks in the sixth. So whatever they get out of him, I, I guess is gravy. Right. I think the thing, with, the thing with Cruz. The thing with Cruz that does make you scratch your head a little bit is the fact that you're not supposed to really have surgery for calf strains or calf tears. You know, these are things that are supposed to heal on their own, and for it to stretch 11 weeks now and then all of a sudden have surgery, it really makes you scratch your head a little bit. Second time the Giants have lost a guy to a calf injury for the season. It's not supposed to be a season-ending injury. Yeah, and Jerry Reese said that. I mean, he, he kind of alluded to what you did there, Jordan. That it's a head scratch. I think Reese called it the year of the calf. And um, just kind of the whole thing seemed puzzling. Now, there has been a lot of, I'd say, you know, conversation with Giants fans on social media. A lot of people seemingly are upset with Cruz. Not because he's hurt, because he's, you know, what are you going to do? But because it seems like Cruz is very visible away from the football field during his injury, all the stuff he does. You guys are around that team all the time. You've seen him, Jordan, when he's been healthy uh, in the past. I mean, do you think that stuff is – do you understand that stuff, or, or do you think he's just a hard worker and he's a, a real, obviously a really good football player that's going through a tough time now? But you, I'm sure you see that stuff too. I'm sure people tweet at you. I mean, Cruz, is, he's done his fashion shoots and he's doing all this stuff, but he's not on the football field. That bothers some people, even though, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, I asked him flat out when he did the documentary, and I said, you know, people, exactly what you're talking about, are criticized. You know, and he's saying, look, I have, you know, we have lives. We have interests off the field. We're not just going to sit there and hole ourselves in football 24 hours a day. It's just unrealistic, especially in the off season. I mean, this he works. I mean, this is a guy who's worked. Look, he didn't get to where he was by accident. I mean, this was an undrafted guy, so to think that he's not working hard, I think is a little off base and uh, – you know, sure, you, you, you know, you don't want it. Maybe you don't want to see it or flaunt it as much in your face as, as, it, as it gets. But, I mean, these guys have 24 hours in a day. He's not going to go work out, work out his calf for 20 hours a day. I mean, that would be, that would be counterproductive. So, uh, you know, he was in there. He's been working. He's been working hard. Uh, and it's it just his body, it's not cooperating. And this is what happens in the NFL. These guys, their bodies, they're well-oiled machines. And once one part is broken... The other parts start mechanically breaking down. And, uh, you know, he admitted overcompensation was the reason for the calf injury. That's what he thought. Or that's what they thought, the, the medical people. And, uh, you know, it, it, that the knee is connected to the thigh, which is connected to the legs. It's just connected to the calf, to the ankle. So now, you know, it, it's going to be a story of 
all right, even if he comes back now, is his body ever going to be the same? Is it ever going to cooperate? Or is it just going to be one thing after another? And you saw it with the, with the team Knicks also. I mean, it was a, you know, he had, he had some injuries, you know, foot, ankle, and uh, it, it sort of, you know, mushrooms. And then he, you're basically sapped of the player you once were. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know like what fans want. Do they want him just to sit in the hyperbaric chamber all day and wrapped in bubble wrap? I mean, it's just, you know, he, he as Jordan said, he's he's got off the field activities. You know, he he has interests, and you know, the, believe me, the guy was working hard. And uh, I think you know when he would talk to us in the locker room when he saw the video, I think this was something that really hit him hard. Uh, this whole ordeal, and. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, but you know, this is what it is in the NFL. If, if your body's just a little bit out of calibration, you really just can't play. There was a scene in the documentary where he sort of admits uh, that, you know, he's thought about being cut. And, you know, it's the same thing with Will Beatty also. Like, people think that he doesn't want to play also. I mean, Will Beatty understands the reality of the situation. He's also likely to get cut or take a massive pay cut and has no chance of making $8.5 million somewhere else. So... These guys understand this, this idea that, you know, they just don't want to play or don't want to try is, is, is just seems foolish to me. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you guys. And I mean, especially this guy, you know, Victor Cruz wasn't a first round pick who, you know, got a bunch of guaranteed money up front and then didn't work hard. I mean, this is this is an undrafted player at a scrap and claw to get to the spot he got. And then obviously he became a very valuable piece for the Giants. But I, I agree with you. And, um, you know, we'll say the future for Victor Cruz, like you said, Jordan, is very much up in the air. All right. So. The Giants are at 5-5 five and five through 10 weeks, and uh, now, now comes the bye. They'll be off for Week 11. They'll come back, and their next game will be Week 12 in Washington against the Redskins. Uh, we'll start there and then kind of go win-loss throughout the last six games. We'll each go around and, and kind of project what we think is going to happen here through the rest of this season, which is very much you know, attainable for them to win the NFC. They're in first place right now. Uh, the bye comes after, you know, 14 straight weeks of football if you go back to the preseason. So they need it right now. Uh, James, we'll start with you because you had a piece. You know, we, you and I talked about this in the press box before the Giants-Patriots game. And then yes. I saw you had a piece on Monday about that Redskins game coming right out of the bye in Washington. And really, not only for the Giants, but also now for the Redskins, how, how big that game has become. The Redskins are in this thing. Yeah, they're in it. Um, you know, this is the way I look at it. Obviously, the Redskins have to play the undefeated Carolina Panthers in Charlotte this weekend. Um, they will be underdogs, of course. But the Eagles are going to play two games before the, the Giants get back on the field. Because they're going to play the Lions on Thanksgiving, and they'll play the Bucks this coming Sunday. So the way I look at it is, if the Eagles split these next two games, and honestly, what we've seen all year from the Eagles, I, I don't think you really can say with certainty that they're going to sweep these next two games. Then... No matter what the Redskins do this Sunday against the Panthers, that game is for first place in the NFC East. You can have five and five against uh, four and six, or potentially five and five against five and five. So you know I, it's a big game for for both teams. And you look at the Redskins' remaining schedule after that; they've got the Cowboys twice, which would be tough. They've also got the Bears, which is looking a lot tougher than it looked a couple weeks ago. They got the Bills. They got the Eagles. So. You know, I'm not saying the Redskins are in the driver's seat by any stretch of the imagination, but they're in this race. So the Cowboys kind of went out the back door with their seventh straight loss the other day, and now the Redskins have kind of filled in their spot in this three-horse race. 
They have, and now you know they're playing better than we thought. I think any of us probably predicted before the season with the Redskins. Cousins is doing a pretty decent job at, at quarterback for them, and they put a bunch of points and got Rob Ryan fired against the Saints. Jordan, the one thing that is obvious, and we talked about this after their game earlier in the season, is the Giants recently, in the last few years at least, have played very well against the Redskins, and they embarrassed them a lot down there in Washington. Any feeling or any sense that like that kind of thing when you play a division team and you beat them up, for a while, it has to come to an end at some point here? Or do you just think the Giants have the Redskins number? Yeah, I do. I mean, they, they just – they totally dominate them. Um, they, they – Kirk Cousins they face a couple times, and they've completely had – gotten the best of them every time. And it's just one of those things where maybe the matchup's good. Maybe the Giants' offense works well against the Redskins' defense. So I think it's something that we could probably – count on to factor into the equation at least a little bit when they play next time. So what are we feeling about this game? I mean, let's go through the schedule now. There's six games left. The Giants at five and five. Um, it's anybody's guess what it's going to take to win this NFC, so whether it be eight or nine wins. Six games to go. We'll go in order. Let's start with the Redskins game because we just touched on that, and that's coming up first. Um, James, we'll start with you. Giants, Redskins, when you kind of look into your crystal ball for the rest of the season, where do you see this first one going for this uh, Giants team? I think the Giants win a absolute slugfest, low scoring. I'm thinking something like 16-14. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting game, you know, see how the Giants coming off a of bye week handle going into, you know, what it's probably going to be a pretty good atmosphere on the road against a team that you know, obviously is desperate to finally beat them. Um, I think it's going to be right down to the end. But what we talked about earlier, I'll say the Giants finish this game and, and win. So they finish. So they get a victory in Washington. I think they win the game too, but I, I'm with you, uh, James. I mean, uh, I don't see it being as easy as it's been recently against the Redskins. Jordan, how about you? I'm going to go Giants victory also, like James said. Close game. Fairly low scoring, 23, 21 or something of the sort. With right, sub, so we, let me put an asterisk there. Subject to change. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I didn't really. We, we got a couple weeks before we know. Let's see, make sure that Pew and Western Bridgeburg are playing. And Prince of Mukamara is playing, obviously. Those factor into the situation. Right. Like, Jordan, like James said, you know, off the bye, the Giants, that's a good spot to come off and, and maybe be a little healthier. All right. Five games after the Redskins game. Let's go win-loss, win-loss. Let's go through it. Um, James, we'll start with you. Jets, just go win or loss. Win. Jordan. I'm going to go the loss. I mean, I, I just think that the Jets are a pretty good team. They, they, they'll give them problems. It'll be a close game, but I'm going I'm to give that one to the Jets. I think they're a little bit right, better. I'll go, I'll, go with the, I'll go with the win for the Giants in that uh, game. It's a Giants home game, but obviously uh, it's a home game for both. All right, then at the Dolphins on Monday night. James? I was really, really, really tricky one, but I'm going to say win. I'm going to say Jordan. win, too. I'm going to say win, too. That Dolphins team is going to head and spiral in the wrong direction. I know they won this week, but that, that's not a good-looking team. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, you watch the beginning of that game against the Eagles. They, they, they're just not a good team. The Eagles gave them a game, and uh, there's a lot of holes on that football team. I think the Giants will be able to. A lot of holes. To, yeah, they'll be able to exploit that. All right, then back after the Dolphins Monday game. Night, Monday Nighter, by the way. Right, it's a Monday night in Miami. So that means, like you just said, Jordan, that's a short week coming back at home uh, the next week, week 15, against the Panthers. We'll see, you know, who knows what the record's going to be at that point, but it'll obviously be very good. Uh, James, Panthers at home, week 15. 
I'm going to sound like a Mr. Optimism here. I'm going to say win. Um, You've got four wins in a row. I, I Listen, that sounds like a scary thought to me, and uh, it probably is destined to be horribly wrong. But before the season started, I, I, when we did our preseason predictions, I said that you know the Giants' inexplicable win no one saw coming would be the Panthers. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think that you know, Carolina's a really, really good team, but they're not the type of team that is going to scare you in the way that a team like the Patriots would. Um, and obviously, we saw what the Giants were able to do with the Patriots. So, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to give them their fourth straight win. Wow, Jordan? James. James, that seems a, a, a little homerish to me. No, kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to go with the win also for some reason. Like, I think that's a team that they could match up pretty well with. Because as long as you go, I, I don't think Carolina is a team that's going to go out and really dominate you offensively. So if the Giants could put up some points against them, I think that's a game that they can win. I mean, Cam Newton, they could force turnovers. It's a team they could force turnovers against. Uh, I like that matchup at home. I think that's a chance for the Giants to steal a win. I'm also not sold on the Panthers being a dominant team. Yeah, I'm not either. I don't know if anybody is sold on the Panthers, but they just they keep winning every single week. I'll give the Giants a loss in that solely because I, I just. It's hard for me to picture this team winning four games in a row, but, you know, who knows? So I have a loss in that. James has a win. Jordan, you have a win. So in Week 16 in Minnesota uh, against a Vikings team that might be the most under-the-radar, you know, good team in the NFL. They're in first place as of recording this podcast uh, in the NFC North. James at Minnesota Week 16. Loss. Um, this, this game could be really, really tough for them. I think it's... You know, Minnesota, it's probably going to be like two degrees. Uh, you know, Tr- Teddy Bridgewater's playing great. Adrian Peterson is Adrian Peterson. The defense is really good. Um, the defense is also pretty uh, opportunistic. So I could see this being one of those games where the Giants go out there and just get their tails whipped. But it's just one of those things where they just have to move past it quickly and focus to the, the finale against the Eagles in the next week. Sign me up for an L as well. I mean, I don't see that as being a game right now that they, they're going to win. Uh, the the Vikings are a good team. They're playing actually really well right now. So uh, they'll run the ball. They'll play good defense. Get enough from Teddy Bridgewater. Giants, you know, the, the Giants are a passing team. It's going to be hard to, for them late in this season to be out there slinging the ball around. They're going to have to start running the ball a little better to win some of these tough games. I have a loss, too. So that puts Jordan. You and I have the Giants at 8-7. and seven. I have them with two losses leading them into the last game of the season. James, you have them at 9-6 and six based on this little exercise. Heading into Week 17, one way or the other, like we've been talking about for weeks, that game, Week 17 against Philadelphia, probably decides the division. Um, you know, if the Eagles come in with eight wins, James, that'll be the, for the division. If they come in with eight or seven, I guess, uh, for Jordan and I, it's for the division. James, we'll start with you. Week 17, right now, as you can look into your crystal ball, win or loss? Uh, I will say win. Um, so they get over they, the Eagles' hump, huh? They get over the Eagles' hump. Uh, you know, look, I just don't think that – I know what happened in Philly was, was a disaster, but, you know, you're at home, and I just – I can't see the Giants' offense rolling into a ball like they did against Philly on Monday night a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, that was by far the most listless performance they've had all year. Um, and, you know, just Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez really just do not inspire a lot of confidence in a winner-go-home situation. So I will say that the Giants win, and they win the NFC East at 10-6, and 6, which 
seems a little bit far fetched, but you know, hey, that's that's what the uh, I think the biggest thing is the Jets. You know, I, I think going to, you know a couple weeks ago we said the Jets would be a really tough game. They can't win, but the Jets' issues at quarterback and the fact that they've been kind of vulnerable the past couple of weeks to me opens the door for the Giants. That's the swing game, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with a win in this spot too against the Eagles. And look, if you asked me this last week, I was going to, I would have probably said loss, but I just don't have what, the, what I've seen from the Eagles just doesn't inspire confidence. If they if they even get their act together a little bit. I think they do have the Giants number, um, and they're probably roster-wise a better all-around team. Uh, but it, it's it's up to that quarterback, and until they get better quarterback play, I just can't I just can't go with the Eagles. They they were just they were horrible last past week. I mean, it was bad. Everything that they could possibly do to lose that game, to blow that game, to not put that game away early. I mean, I'm I'm just not feeling confident right now that the Eagles are a team that's going to be able to make the playoffs or win big games with the way they're getting the play they're getting from their quarterback and their offense in general. Uh, so the giants, uh, whatever you might say about them, their talent on defense, uh, definitely something. There's definitely something to be desired there. I think, I, I think everyone will kind of agree with that, but they have shown some signs of being better in the pass rush these last couple of weeks. I find that very, uh, that, that's a great sign of optimism for me, the fact that this team might actually be able to pressure the quarterback better than they did in the first nine games of the season when they were absolutely invisible. So the offense will be able to score enough points to keep them in every game. All, almost every one of these games we just named is probably going to be close, You know, like, like it has been the first 10 weeks of the season. Maybe one game won't be close, but uh, you know, it, it'll come down to whether the Giants can – fix some of the woes that they've had in the past. And I think they will be a little bit, just enough to get to nine and seven and get into the playoffs. It's interesting, uh, James, a few minutes ago, off of what Jordan was saying with the Eagles and uh, the issues they've had, we all have the Giants here winning at least two out of the next three with the Redskins, Jets, and Dolphins. James, you ha- actually, you two both have them. Uh, James, you and I have them winning three in a row. Jordan has them winning two. But the reason I bring that up is because the Eagles here, James, a few minutes ago you had said with the issues they have, maybe Mark Sanchez playing for a couple weeks, probably the best you could kind of project the Eagles the next two weeks is one and one. Then they go to New England. So if you play that out and you say they're going to lose in New England, the Eagles would have to win out to take the division from the Giants if we think the Giants are going to you know, be around eight and seven or, or nine and six going into that last game of the season. So what Anyone I'm trying have confidence to get to- in that now? I no, mean, you have confidence so I'm trying to, to run that run that kind of streak. No, so this feels like it's going to set up if the Giants could play well out of the bye for a couple of weeks that they'll control their own destiny. I mean, it'll, it'll be on them to just beat the Eagles, and they're going to be in. Well, the one thing I will say is that if you look at the Eagles' final four games, they played three in a row at home, but they're not exactly tough, easy games. You got the Bills at home. Okay, maybe they win that game. The Lashawn McCoy Bowl. Um, then they have the Cardinals at home on December 20th. And that, to me, seems like one of those, you know, the Cardinals need to go win in a cold-weather city and win emphatically to, you know, rock, lock down their Super Bowl, Super Bowl bona fides. And then they have the Redskins at home the day after Christmas, which I believe is a Saturday night game. So, you know, could the Eagles go 3-0 and in, in, in those three games for the Giants game? Sure. But it's really going to be hard, especially with the Cardinals, who I think right now might be the NFC 
favorite on paper. Flip side, Giants have uh, Carolina, Minnesota, and the Eagles to finish their season. Not an easy three-game stretch right no, there. No, that is true. And you know what? Here's, here's my thing with the Giants. I know you guys have, like, what, three straight wins at some point. I just don't see this team being consistent enough or being strong enough in a lot of areas for them to run off that. I mean, there's, their, their margin for error is too slim in my estimation that they're, gonna be, that they're able to run off a big streak as well. That's kind of been them the whole year, and that's why, you know, however the math's going to play out, it feels like we're heading towards that Week 17 game um, with the Eagles and the Giants for the division, for the NFC. All right, so we, as we wrap this up, and uh, this will be our last one until after the Redskins game, so uh, we'll be back for our next episode after that game against Washington post-Thanksgiving. Uh, each of you, and I'll give one too, let's give our keys to, not the second half, but the post-buy for the Giants. James, in your mind, What's the stretch the run, the stretch run. The stretch I run. like that, the stretch run, exactly. So what's the key to the stretch run, James, for the Giants to win the NFC East? They have to keep getting this pass rush. You know, it has to keep growing and evolving over the next six weeks. Um, they're close. I, I, they had their best performance on, on Saturday against the Patriots. But, you know, granted, look, Patriots were a mess on the offensive line. Um, you know, as JPP gets more comfortable – I think, and more in a groove, you know, the rest of the team has to follow him. Um, they have to get after the quarterback to have a chance to win this division. And I also think that, as we talked about earlier, the running game has got to at least be more consistent in crunch time when they need it as they try to finish these games. James, when you take two, that means you usually take someone else's answer. You know that, right? Uh, so I, I was going to go – I mean, first, I'll take two also, you know, since James did it. Yeah. But, so I'll start with, you know, if they don't create these turnovers, this team is nowhere. You know, they wouldn't compete in a lot of these games. So the turnovers is obviously they need to keep creating. If they have games where they don't create turnovers, it's going to be hard for them to win any of those. But I'm going to go number one. My number one thing is they're going to have to run the ball better. Final six games here, all outdoors. Five of the six and potentially cold weather games. So you're not going to be able to sling the ball around as much. You're not going to be able to throw it around the yard MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford, often windy late in the season. So if they're not going to be able to run the ball better, they're going to have trouble here in these final six games, especially against teams like Carolina, the Eagles, uh, even the Do I mean, the Dolphins is in warm weather, but the Redskins, teams that all run the ball significantly better than them and are more power-ish kind of teams. So that power, power teams, the power strategy sort of sometimes plays better in these cold weather climates and, and when it's possibly windy. So uh, even the Jets, I mean, the, all these teams, more power running games. And if it comes down to it, the weather might lend them, lend itself to that being the, the better strategy. And the Giants could be in trouble because does anybody have confidence that they're going to be able to pound the ball down the Jets' throats if it's a windy or cold day? Or even no the Redskins? Way. Or even the Panthers? So, yeah, they could be in trouble in some of those games if they can't run the ball better. Really good points. I, I guess for mine, I would go uh, number one would be getting Prince of Mukamura back and getting him healthy. Now, I did hear him say he hopes we be back and thinks he'll be out there for the Redskins game. I think it has a ripple effect on the whole defense, putting him back out there on the other side of DRC. So that's, that's number one. And the other one, maybe it's Dwayne Harris. Who knows? Maybe it's Akeem Nix. But someone else, to me, every week has to keep making plays besides Odell Beckham. You know, Because defenses are going to do everything they can to limit whatever he does. Um, the Patriots did a good job after the big play early in that game. 
Um, Ruben Randall should be that guy, but we know you never know what you're going to get out of him. So it's, it's getting something out of someone else to make some plays late in these games. And, you know, otherwise it all falls to Beckham. And that's, that's a difficult task for them to have to go to him every single play. Joe, before we leave, you brought up Prince. I want to put out a public apology to J. Ron Hosley for calling him not an NFL player for quite a while. He actually played really well on, on, on Sunday against the Patriots, with the exception of that one deep pass where his coverage actually wasn't bad, though he just didn't make a good play on the ball. But in general, he held up really well and, you know, played way better than I thought he ever would. Yeah, he did a good – you're right. He did a good job, and uh, he made some good tackles out there. He had a decent game, all things considered – against Tom Brady. All right, so sometimes you got to take it on the chin, Joe, you know? Sometimes you just got to you got to take it as uh be, you, you were wrong. And uh I'm taking that one for uh, J. Ron Hosley here. We're not afraid here on Talk is Cheap to say when we were wrong. And uh <laughs> no. Uh, it happens. No, we're not. It happens probably more than we'd like. <laughs> it does. And I'm sure as we I am going to save my uh my show sheet for this episode. I'm going to look back at our win-loss for each of these games when this season does end. I'm sure Oh, yes. No uh, way we're good. No way it's going to yeah, be pretty. No way. We're yeah, we'll, be all, we'll all be sitting here talking about a 5-11 and 11 finish at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope not, because that would be a boring end of the season. But uh, I think they'll be in it. I think we all do, and it's going to be fun down would the stretch. would be credit combo. Yes. Definitely. All right, guys. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there listening. Uh, enjoy the holiday. We'll be back for our next episode after the game against the Redskins, uh, which, James, like we've talked about here, it's going to be a big one. Uh, in the NFC. So this has been episode 32 of Talk is Cheap, and thanks to all of you for listening to Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. Follow the show at Jordan, R-A-A-N-A-N, at James Cratch, at Joe Giulio Sports. Find us on iTunes and on Stitcher, uh, and leave us a rating there. It helps the show grow, and, uh, and we'll do even more of these as time goes along. This has been episode 32 of Talk is Cheap on NJ.com.